Welcome to the Eight Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. On this podcast, we will examine the components that make up our lives and discuss how we can make improvements. God wants us to perform at our best in all aspects of life, but why don't we? We will talk about this and much more in an effort to discover our very best us in every part of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Darren Olson with Edward Jones in Bell Fountain. Hi, Chris. Hi. Today, we're going to talk about the second of your eight facets. And this one is important to everyone because basically it has a connection to everybody and it's family. Right. And when we talk about family, everyone has a genetic connection to their family. Everyone has a way of learning how to live from their family and everyone has a love connection to their family. So I guess the first question would be, how do you define family? I looked online and I think it was the Webster definition. It, they came up with a group consisting of parents and children living together in a household. Mm-hmm. And the second definition was all the descendants of a common ancestor, which would be like extended family. And for the purpose of today, I kind of wanted to look at it because I realized today family has a lot of different meanings. You know, there's a show on modern family. I was raised by my uncle or, you know, that type of thing, blended families. So I kind of summarize it by who would get all your stuff if you died, okay? So that might might not sound right, but it's just, it's who's closest to me because we're going to talk about relationships next, and that's going to cover a lot of the other other people in our lives. But for family... Who is it that I'm most hold dear? Then basically, as we all know, family encapsulates everybody in this world. Sure. And if you're talking about relationships, I guess just kind of the basic one we would start with would be marriage. I guess, first of all, I'll start with, um, this was a Zig Ziglar thing that I heard from him years ago. And he said that a statistic that drove him nuts, and I'm in the same camp, is we're told as a society, 50% of all marriages fail, and there's nothing further from the truth. Even today, 75 to 80% of first marriages succeed. The problem is that when they get those statistics, they look at the county records and say there were 100 marriage filings, there were 100 divorces. But what that fails to recognize is that second marriage is and third marriages and fourth marriages fail at a higher rate and skews the numbers. So I'm afraid that from a society standpoint, when when people get that number out there that 50% fail, that kids might go into marriage thinking, well, gosh, I'm no worse than anybody else. But that's not a a good factual number. Right. And that's encouraging. Uh, How long have you and your wife been married? Uh, 42 years. And Pat and I have been married 45. So that's encouraging. We might make it (laughs) based on those statistics. We might make it. Um, I guess one of the kind of cliches that's used when people meet is opposites attract. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard that one. And just recently I heard opposites attract, but likes stay together. And I kind of thought that was interesting because maybe we do. I, I know I was attracted to Pat because I looked at characteristics, his self-discipline and traits that he had that I didn't have because I'm more of the hot mess type person. So we were opposites. But then I believe as you are married and grow together, you do become more likes. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that's important Mm -hmm. as we journey through that whole path. Do you want to speak a little bit on five love languages and how that all impacts relationships? Right. 
Um, the book, The Five Love Languages, was by Gary Chapman, mm-hmm. and um, it was suggested that I read that by half a dozen people. And the title just didn't strike me as anything that I would put on my reading list. But after so many people had asked me to, to read it, I thought, there's got to be something to this. So I went to the library and checked it out on audio. So I listened to it on my drive back and forth. But Gary Chapman asked the question, is my love tank full? Mm-hmm. And right. that's that's interesting. And I think it's, it's uh, big because you can do things, as he describes— that says love to you that your partner doesn't recognize. So therefore, my love tank isn't full. And in the book, he has five love languages, and I'll try to remember them, and you can help me if I forget. Sure. But it's uh, I know it's quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch. Service. Service. Because that's Acts mine. Of service. That okay. is mine. <laughs> you remembered that one. <laughs> I um, did. <laughs> so, but, but what he's saying is, if, if acts of service is what tells you you're loved, so that would be your husband maybe washing dishes or helping out Correct. around the house. Correct. There's nothing you, he could do more to say, I love you. Right. But if his is quality time and you're out doing all the things that you enjoy that don't include him, then his love tank might be empty. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting that we understand what each other's love language is because I could be doing all the dishes that I want for my wife and it doesn't matter to her, mm-hmm. you know, because she wants one of the other love languages. And I think so many marriages have probably thrown in the towel because they never understood this. Neat thing is if you go to the website, thefivelovelanguages.com, you can do a free online assessment that will walk you through the questions and it'll give you your love language or you can read the book. And that, w- that would be nice for husbands and wives to talk about that sure. after you take the test. And, right. and, and they'll probably both say, aha, that makes sense. Exactly. Once it's put it in front of you, it does make sense. And an- another point he makes is there's a primary love language, but then there's also always another, you know, a secondary love language too that may be very close. But uh, rarely would you have someone that feels equal in all five of those areas. There's going to be a primary and a secondary. Sure, sure. I know, speaking of references to marriage, I'm listening to a podcast now by Dr. Kimberly, and she, I think it's under the company Awesome Marriages. And, and I really have enjoyed listening to that. And as I said, I'm old, but you still can learn things and it it all makes sense. It's like, oh my gosh, that was right in front of me. Why didn't I pay attention to what was needed in our relationship? So I I think all those, it doesn't hurt to read and to discuss it with your spouse and go over things. Well, I can recall, I used to be a subscriber to Success Magazine and they were the one magazine that had the CDs come in each monthly issue. And I would listen to those and I got a, a lot of good tips out of there. And one in particular, I remember... There was a marriage expert couple talking one time, and they were talking about men are hardwired to solve problems, and women typically just want to be heard. And I recall just the night before, my wife was on a library board, and she had come to home with a problem. She explained it all, and I gave her, this is what I'd do first, and this, and this, and so on. And then I'm listening to this CD about women just want to be heard. And so it it strikes me. I I never really considered this. And the first question I hit her with when I got home the next day was, did you ever act on any of the information I gave you or did you just want to be heard? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) And she said, no, I just wanted to run it by you. Mm -hmm. And, And I thought, wow, we've been married at that time 25 years. And that thought process never entered my mind. 
you know, I, so it just made me, it, it's an example of how we allow information that can make us better, you know, and just for the become future. more cognizant. Exactly. Of, and yeah. then here's the person you spend the most time with. Right. And yet often I feel like I'm not, well, I know I don't give my spouse enough time and I don't right. probably, I know I don't listen. Right. And that's so true. Along with the love languages, there's a quote to the effect that a good marriage is when you are married not to someone you can live with, but to someone you really cannot live without. And I, I think that really says something to me because we take each other for granted, or I better own this. I take my husband for granted. I assume he's going to be there at night. I assume he's going to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And wow, I cannot imagine the day when I walk home and he isn't there. Yeah. And, and I have empathy for people. I don't know the depth of that loss, whether it's through a divorce or whether it's through death. But sometimes you just got to knock yourself on the head and say, hey, this arguing isn't worth it. We're not going anywhere. What's important is that I can't live without you and I love you Mm -hmm. and I need to learn to be a better wife. Yeah. And we've all experienced that, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. probably more than what we would like. But hopefully, I I can't remember the last time my wife and I have gotten in an argument, you know. Um, That's great. Yeah, that is. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I was going to ask you was, I know my son went through some marriage counseling before he got married, and I think we did, but I don't remember any of it, you know, because it was so long ago. I do remember the pastor did, um, and this is this is what's kind of sad. What I remember about it the most is his perspective was it's the little things that will make your marriage difficult. Mm-hmm. It's when you don't screw on the toothpaste cap and it's going to really bother your spouse. And I'll be honest, to this day, just probably a month ago, my husband said, it drives me crazy. You never screw lids on tight. I don't use up all the toothpaste. So after 40 some years, and so the pastor did have a good idea, I guess. Well, and I remember my son saying that the, they brought up, they, they had like about an eight hour counseling. So if I had any, it was more like 15 or 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, and our preacher at that time was Oriental, so I couldn't really understand him that well to begin with. <laughs> and probably as a 21-year-old, I, my mind wasn't... You could always default well, to that now right, if you're right, having problems. Right. I exactly. couldn't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> but I recall my son saying that uh, an eye-opening question to him was, where are you going to go on Thanksgiving? And both question. both of them had thought, well, my parent, my parent. you know, and And that just got them thinking that, you know... There are some things that are going to have to be give and take here. You that know? is a good question. Yeah. And and so I love all those what ifs, you know, and I think prior to marriage, if if those are discussed, then they're not an argument point when the day comes and you have that discussion. A couple other marriage tips that I wanted to bring up. And again, I, I feel like I've learned more being married 42 years, you know, like I said, I might be 20 years into my marriage and I learned something that I didn't know. I might be 40 years in and I learned something else. But I'd, I'd heard a man say one time that uh, you need a five-to-one ratio between saying something positive to negative. Right. And, and as a teacher, I've heard that too, yeah. you know, when we're dealing with children. So right. that would be true in a marriage or yeah. with anybody. And it kind of goes along with the, what we talk about the love language, you know. Is your love tank full with the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have enough it's, it's one thing to have constructive criticism because nobody wants more for you than your spouse. But at the same time, when my wife tells me, chew some gum, your breath stinks, that, that doesn't really hit me that, 
that uh, <laughs> nice. But I understand she's only done it for my own right, good, right. you know. So my initial reaction might be um, not pleasant, but after I think about it, it's going to be, I can take that. She's trying to benefit. Exactly, you, right? exactly. You know, I've heard it before too, don't keep score, you know, and I think mm-hmm. probably younger newlyweds might, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, you know. That, that can't be something, you know, if we think about Christ's love for us, right. if he's keeping score, we're in big trouble, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bible talks about don't let the sun go down on your anger. Correct. But I heard someone else say, do let the sun go down. And, and their, their logic or their ration was that you don't want to say something that you can't take back because we can't take back our words. Right. And I, I really kind of buy into that. Um, not that I want to go against the Bible, but just from the standpoint, I don't want to be pushed to the point in an argument that I say something I'm going to regret later. And I think men are probably more wired to, hey, let's sleep on it and talk about it in the morning, where maybe women, I, would you agree with that? Want to talk? Right, right. I would say so too. Yeah. Right. They might internalize it more. And and another thing I was thinking when you mentioned that is when we're angry at somebody, we just kind of boil and we're drinking our own poison. Exactly. They may not even know we're mad. We're just oh, kind of sure. giving them a cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. But we're, we are the ones that are hurting ourselves. And it's mm-hmm. better just to talk about it or to release it, whether the man wants to talk about it or not. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with, you know, forgiveness, you know, True. as far as... True. It might not be the fact that you're sometimes when when people this kind of going away from family, but just for a second, sometimes people offend us. They don't even realize they've offended us. Correct. And and you mm-hmm. know, like you say, we're boiling, but um, they're sleeping sound. You know, exactly. we're the ones that's struggling. So we've mm-hmm. got to be the ones to do that. And that goes along with the marriage as well. Absolutely. Right. Jack Canfield is the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, him and Mark Victor Hansen. Well, Jack Canfield wrote a book, uh, The Success Principles, and it's it's got a ton of good advice in it. One of the things that he said that him and his wife do is once a week on a Sunday night, they just say, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate our marriage? And anything less than a 10 gets a follow-up. What would it take to make it a 10? And I thought that was interesting because his point was, and I don't know if this is true, but if your wife's not happy with something, you're the only one that can do anything about it. I agree with that 100%. But in the meantime, she's told her mom and her sister and her hairdresser. <laughs> and, you know, it comes back to that communication. Right, right, that right. if you really want it to be better, it doesn't do any good to take that mm-hmm. dispute outside the home. You've got to deal with it as a couple. And that's really a conscious effort you know, mentioning the, that kind of Likert scale of yeah, one to five right, and where right. are we. And that's really putting effort and thought into a relationship, which it deserves, yeah, rightfully deserves. Right. These marriage counselors, their name is Les and Leslie Perot. And I've heard them on some CDs before. And they talk about, as marriage counselors, they say 80 to 90% of all problems would go away if we would master the art of empathy. Okay. Uh-huh. And and they, they make the point... Um, when I first heard empathy, the word to me sounds like sympathy, you know, it's just giving in. And that's what most men think. But they described it like two wings of an airplane. They say that empathy is uh, one wing's the heart, the other wing is the head. So one's analytics, the other's feeling. And he gave an example that made all the sense in the world to me. He said, uh, my wife's got a doctor's appointment she really wants me to go with. And I've got this business meeting that clients are coming in from out of town, and I, there's no way I can go. 
the guy thought, well, empathy means I'm going to I'm going to go with her. And the guy said, no, no, not at all. Empathy just means you just, you explain to her why you can't, but that you are with her in, in spirit. You know, you understand why she wants you there, but she in turn understands why you can't. So much time and energy has been invested. So it's taking the time instead of saying, no, I can't be there to explain the whys. Absolutely. And it, it is a balance when you think, when you were talking about wings on an airplane, it's mm-hmm. it's a balance of making sure you understand and you can only work within these parameters, but I want to make sure our relationship is balanced. Right. Further in their interview, they talked about kind of another scale one to 10 type thing where if, if things aren't the best you'd like in your marriage, they would say, what are the distractions going on right now? Because if you're not telling me everything that's going on in your job, what is it that's keeping you away from where we want to be? Because we know there are times that whether it's work, other factors going on in our life that we're not as committed as we need to be in our marriage. And so the question might be, if I'm not 100% committed right now, and not to say not committed in, in a marriage, but hey, I've got all this energy I'm putting into this work project. At least you may not like it, but you understand and you can be empathetic and say, okay, I'm going to give you more space for this duration, you know, till you get past that point. You are listening to the Eight Facets of Life podcast. Stay tuned for more after this message from our sponsor. With all the headlines, are you wondering if your retirement savings will last? The market's ups and downs can keep you guessing, especially if you're approaching retirement or considering it. Your Edward Jones advisor, Daryl Olson, can help. If you have more questions than answers about what's next, you can work together to help ensure you're prepared for your journey. After all, retirement isn't the end of the trek, it's a new beginning. Stop by the office at 125 South Main Street in Bell Fountain. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Now, back to the Eight Facets of Life podcast with Chris Conley and Debbie Ellis. I remember the question asked, what is the most important minute in a marriage? I don't know. Okay. Most people would guess it's either waking up in the morning or before going to bed at night. But this speaker actually said it's reconnection. And when he said that, the light bulbs went off in my head. And the reason being, the reconnection is that reconnection when you've reconnected after being apart during the day. Okay. So someone's been to work, maybe both of you have been to work, you've come home and that reconnection is so important because I can remember times that, uh, I was hit with something like, you won't believe what the kids got into today or something along that line that just sets the tone for what's going to happen the rest of the night. Sure. And I know my wife's made the same comment. Her dad was a railroader, so he would be gone for a couple days at a time. And when he come home, it was like, Snowball. Exactly. (laughs) So you can imagine that doesn't do anything good for a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the neatest visuals I can get to that, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Christmas Story. Yes. It's on 24 hours around Christmas. So (laughs) you've about had to see it. But there's this point where Ralphie's got in the fight and the mom's got to tell the dad and it's this reconnection time. But she does it in a way that you know, when he asked what happened today, she said, oh, Ralphie got in a fight. But well, how about those Packers and, and uh, the Bears? Are they playing this week? <laughs> and, you know, the, the boy right away is like, my mom's my hero, you know. Yes, yes. And, and um, that, that's a perfect example of 
of how you can't just throw that on another person, you know, the problems of the day. That reconnection is so important because you've got five or six hours probably before you're going to go to bed. You want those to be the best they can be. And, sure. and to me, that's, that, that makes all the sense in the world. Sure. And ironically, number two best minute of the day is the time before you go to bed. We receive all our preparation for being a family from our parents. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to look at tips that could help us in parenting. For sure. I think the number one thing is you make your spouse number one and you show it because the spouse is going to be with us for many, many more years than our children. Typically, we think of our children being 18 years before they're either on to college or out on their own working in a job or something like that. So I think if we can be the role model to show them that our spouse is number one, not only is that a good situation for us long term, but it's a good image in their mind that, hey, the world doesn't revolve around you. We love you, but mom or dad is my first priority. And I think we have to model what we expect. Right. That's what I was thinking. We are their role models. Right. And I love this one quote that I remember. It's more is caught than taught. (laughs) And, you know, boy, the first time I heard that, in one of those light bulb moments, you know, because I thought there's so many songs, you know, that are written about, I was watching you, you know, that type of thing. Right. And, And I think it's important because we are being watched. So we have to make sure that we're modeling the thing that we want. You know, we talked about love languages earlier, and and I remember Gary Chapman talking about love. there's love languages for kids as well. And he gave the example of dad just got home from work, and the little two-year-old got a hold of him and just didn't want to let go. Well, physical touch is his primary love language. Mm -hmm. And then the four-year-old daughter comes up and says, Dad, I want to show you something I've been working on in my room. And, you know, quality time is her primary love language. So kids have those as well. He went on to say that, One time, this dad was having a walk on his lunch hour, and this rock was shining, and he picked it up, and when he got home, he gave it to his son, and he said, you know, I saw this today, and it just made me think of you, and he said, if his his primary love language is gifts, he'll have that rock when he's 25 years old. And basically, you're saying that we are planting the seeds with our children, but hopefully those will grow and blossom as they become adults or they become grandparents. Right. Like you said, we learn from our own parents. Correct. And that's basically, I raise my kids a lot based on how I was raised, what I thought was good and what I thought needed edited. And that's what I told them at the time is, hey, I'm doing my best. If you don't like it, you can make your changes when you raise your own children. One of the problems that we have in raising kids is that we think we've got to make it better for them. And so many parents think of that in gifts or monetary wise. And for me, some of the best things that I can remember when my kids were growing up was we used to take nature walks. We'd take the dog and we'd, we lived in the country anyway, but we'd walk fence rows and old railroad tracks and into the woods. And we still talk about that today. And, and that didn't cost us a penny. So we can't get wrapped up in thinking we've got to take a Disney vacation every year and spend money that we don't have. Mm -hmm. I know there's a saying that making the decision to have a child is really monumental because Mm -hmm. I I remember something to the effect that it's when you decide that you're going to allow your heart to walk outside your body. And Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to control what we have going on. But when we have a child, that means the most to us in the whole wide world. It's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's a good challenge, but right. it's definitely a challenge. One of the things we talked earlier about having those what ifs, what are we going to do if this happens? That, that applies to kids as well, because 
you think about the idea of discipline. Discipline right away has this idea of not good situation. But we need to be on the same page with what are we going to do if this arises, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. There's an author by the name of Kevin Lehman. I don't know if you've heard of him. No. But he wrote the book, How to Have a New Kid by Friday. No. And it's a a great – I can't say I've read the book, but I've heard him speak. And I heard him speak on Focus on the Family. I've heard him speak in a couple other occasions. And he makes it sound a lot simpler than it is. But in his way of thinking, it is simple. Too many times we've let things get out of line. So I'd recommend that if anybody's having any kind of trouble. And I think if when you say discipline, disciple is a word that's a derivative as well. And we go back to the Bible and the foundation that we're all supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And also, I think forgiveness and grace Mm -hmm. in a marriage with our children, with our families, those are two very key basic tenets that we need to live by. Right. And it's not easy. It's not easy. (laughs) Well, and like I say, we learn basically by its own the job training. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean that it needs to be just that. There's another family couple that I heard speak. Their name is Richard and Linda Iyer. They talked about having family meetings and things along that Mm -hmm. line. And I've heard that from Zig Ziglar's grandson now. They have a website that talks about this. And the whole concept wasn't anything I ever did, but it really sounds interesting. It's the idea that in most people's case, it's Sunday night. We're going to have a family meeting. We're going to discuss what's going on so we know what's coming up this week and your busy schedules and what we can support and, you know, how we're going to get through the week. And they talk that there's times that their children, they make their children a part of that. It's not just mom and dad's lecture. So the key point is that when someone asks them to do something on a Sunday night, they say, I can't, that's family time. So that was really rewarding that they thought so much of it that they weren't going to give it up for going to the movies with friends or something along right, that line. Right, right. That makes sense. Allowance. I think that's a key topic. You'd said you didn't do it with no, your kids. No, we did not. And, and I had tried to, it wasn't really an allowance, but I tried to set up a system of if these jobs are done, then you'll get this pay at the end. And I, I remember the kids didn't really adapt to that. I might have introduced it too early. But I've heard a lot of success with people that have done that, where they basically created that mini economic system in their home, that kids are taught some responsibilities, so their self-esteem Absolutely. grows. and. It just makes for a better child ready to tackle the world when they leave home. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it's our responsibility to teach them everything we can. We want to be the teacher now so we can be the advisor later. Another quote I wanted to share before we end this, if you love your children equally, you'll treat them uniquely. I like that. And, like and the that. guy that I heard say that said that he had, I think, a son and a daughter. The daughter wound up getting a divorce. So she needed more financial help from him. And a lot of parents think, well, if I, if I did this for her, I got to do this for him. He said that's not the way he looked at it because the son knew that if something happened to me, you'd be there for me. So that's why he was talking about if you love your children equally, you treat them uniquely. You'll help them out of situations, but that doesn't mean that each one's an equal pay system. One more point I wanted to make was the sex talk, okay? I'm not going to go into any deep subject on that. But I did hear a speaker one time say, you've got to do it because who else do you want your children to learn that from? And that was something that my dad didn't do to me, and consequently, I didn't do to my children. But that's not an excuse not to have it done. And this man was talking about, like I say, who else do you want your kids to learn that? So that's a very, very important topic, I think. 
The places that I've got the information that I rely on, as I mentioned earlier, focus on the family, I think is a great. Dobson. Yeah, Mm -hmm. James Dobson. You can go online and buy the best of, like I have many, best of 2006, best of 2007. Family First is a is a website that you can go get information, and they also have All Pro Dad and I Mom. Uh, ZieglerFamily.com is another one, and then I mentioned earlier the five love languages. There's just so much information out there. It doesn't have to be hands-on learning and leave it at that because we're going to make a lot of mistakes, and the more that we can discuss and, and learn, and it's kind of like draw your house plans up on paper. It's much easier to make the mistake on paper than at a later point. So I think the same thing applies to having kids, being on the same page with your spouse. I think to sum it all up, Chris, it just makes sense that family is the top of that pyramid. It really is because faith, family, those are such a good platform. They are the platform we all need. And when we talk about the eight facets of life, you would be so remiss if you didn't talk about family. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening to the 8 Facets of Life podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you heard today, please visit our website at the number 8facetsoflife.com. The Shine FM Podcast Network.